I'm Lauren. And I'm Ashley. And this, guys, is Nip Tuck Pod. We are your girl chat. We say the things you want to hear, the things that you're thinking but you don't want to say out loud. And we're all about being strong, aspirational women who basically don't give a... Uh, Lauren, anyway, if you want unfiltered chat, amazing beauty and product recommendations, then look no further, guys. This is the podcast where you will get all of the girly chat. I forgot how sexy your fucking voice was, didn't I? Hello everybody and welcome to Vicky Patterson, The Secret 2. This week I am joined by West End legend, soap stud and proud owner of the sexiest voice in Britain. It is of course none other than TV legend Darren Day. That's like the best intro I've ever had. My favourite bit was soap stud. I really... Oh and legend was good. I get called veteran now and I'd much prefer legend. Oh, no, you're far too young to be a veteran. Let's stick with legend. At least I will the day. Appreciate that. <laughs> How are you, Petal? Thank you for coming on and joining me. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. I mean, it's, you know, like for all of us, this second lockdown for me yeah. has not been easy. Nah, I mean, uh, it hasn't. I mean, all right, okay, of course, the whole of last year, you know, um, well, for a year, it's been crazy for everyone, but I don't know what it is. I just don't know if it's like, because it's it keeps going on, or there's a carrot dangled now, and there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but we're not sure if it's going to happen, or if it's the weather. Because you remember, Vic, like last year, yeah. like it was like a heaven sent that weather for that yeah. time of the year, and one obviously it cheers you up to see the sun, but two, the the virus struggles to survive in the hot weather. So, of course, but but this time, you know, and there's only so many times you can cut the grass. For something to do, you know. I mean, oh, I've been. You know, I've, men- I've mended doors, door handles. Scri- yeah. I've never done anything like that in my life. But I'm just like, just give me something to do. On, I am so with you. Like I put up a post on Instagram the other day, and I was like, this lockdown has been so fucking long. I've got into shape and got back out of it. Like I swear to God, like it's just felt never ending. And this last one in particular, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's been dark. It's been dreary, and I think that just it honestly totally affects your mood. It affects mine anyway. Oh, completely, absolutely. I mean, I was quite lucky, really, and also in the last one. I did pretty much near the beginning of the lockdown. I'm going to sound like I'm dropping a name now, but it's only just because of what happened. But Andrew Lloyd Webber, <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber called me. Lord Lloyd Webber, I oh, thank you. Oh, um, feel free to drop names oh, no, like that all day, son. Sorry, you don't get but, a lot of that on VP The Secret too. No. <laughs> and, well, and also, I mean, the reason I can say it is because he hadn't spoken to me for, in years. So anyway, he called said that they were doing an online concert of Joseph and they were getting 30 members of previous casts of the West End and wow. the tour together. So I played Joseph again at mm-hmm. 51 years old, which obviously I never thought I would do. And then straight after, I got a call from Stephen Schwartz, who wrote Godspell and Wicked, and mm-hmm. asked me to play Jesus in an online concert of Godspell. Um, now, I did think that when I was on the... You know, at the end, yeah. I, I am going to go. I'm going to go up in fucking flames here, Darren Day. Darren Day, really? As Jesus, fuck me. That is stretching the imagination, isn't it? 
So, so I did the Joseph thing, which took a couple of months, Zoom rehearsals, recordings, people coming to the house were recording stuff, setting up at the end of the, my lounge, me at the other end with the microphone, masks on up until singing. It, it was all crazy, but it was, it was something to do. Then the Godspell thing was three months. So mm. um, I, I sort of, I, I did a lot. Then I narrated a, a sitcom online, but mm-hmm. it, um, don't get me wrong. I was really happy to do it. It was all for a charity, mm-hmm. for a couple of mental health charities, which was amazing, but it don't pay the bills, does it? No, mate. Oh, I've, done a cu- no. I've done a couple of jobs, right? Like, I remember doing The Hunters years ago now, oh, yeah. and, you know, on Channel 4. And honestly, yeah. it's so intense. And like, I remember, like, asking the agent, like, you've got to ask, it. We're all, we're all just we're trying to live, not like, and I said, so what's the fee? It's two weeks, you know what I mean? Like, it's 24 hours a day, you don't get your phone, you can't do anything else. And she was like, it's, it's completely free, it's for starting with cancer. I was like, all right, okay. Well, of course, once it's thrown the standard with cancer and you've got to do it, you feel so bad, but you think, shit, last two weeks of my life, I'll never get back. <laughs> exactly. It's, it, I mean, it's absolutely true, isn't it? And I mean, my, you know, you know, for work for us and particularly for people in theatre, which has always been primarily my sort of main thing. Uh, and my tour, my theatre tour of the UK and Europe has just been postponed for the eighth time. So oh, we were due to open so... Terrible. We were due to open in London last April and then it was postponed and postponed and then we just found out that it's not going to open until January 2022. Mm, damn it. I'm so sorry to hear that, mate. And no doubt, like, the fans and the people who got tickets will be gutted as well. Ugh, it's just not but been I, a good good year for theatre, has it? It hasn't, but I, I can't tell you what it is just yet, but yeah. I will come back on and tell you or I will let you know. But I've just been offered... <laughs> A really, really nice role in theatre today, literally yeah. this morning, which will start in August uh, for oh rehearsals and opening September. So it's literally coming today, and I can't tell you, uh, you know, you, you know what it's like, Vic. You go through a career and you get a little bit blasé about things, and you know, for mm. many years, I, you know, I went from one show to another. I had my Saturday night television deal. I had a record deal with RCA with Simon Cow, and you kind of, but I think. What's happened in this last year, I have never appreciated being offered yeah. a job so much as I appreciate it today, you know? Yeah. No, I totally get it. Like, you're so right. You hit the nail on the head. I think we've all become aware that in the last couple of years and last 10 years, whatever, we've been racing through life, right? Like, I know I have, like, just not appreciating what I've got, not even being truly grateful for the great jobs or the great experiences or the lovely the lovely people I've got in my life because all I'm thinking about is the next thing. Where's the, oh, I've got that now. Where's the next job coming from? Or I've moved in with my boyfriend when I were getting engaged. Like I always want the next thing. Um, but what, and I'm, I'm not stopping to smell the roses to be grateful for all of the lovely things I've got. But exactly what this year has taught me is that it's so important to just take some time for yourself and take your foot off the gas a little bit. And then when the, do, the good things do come in, you are so grateful and you do truly appreciate what you've got. Um, I completely, that resonates with me, Darren, properly. And I'm sure there's loads of people as well. I think you're right, yeah. And the other thing that I liked, I mean, I don't think it's happened so much in this lockdown, but when it first started last year, you know, you have to queue up for the shops and stuff. <laughs> what was really lovely about it um, was, you know, you're standing in the line and you go, how are you doing? All right. And everyone would speak. And then, like, coming out on your doorstep, NHS clap on a Thursday yeah. night. And you ended up speaking to neighbours across the road, albeit, but that you would have probably never 
bumped into before. And so there was, a, there was a sense of camaraderie, I think. Yeah, that little, that little community feel that we, you don't often get, do you, anymore? No, it'd be nice to think that it would stay like that to some degree when, when life goes back to some kind of normality. Yeah, I hope so. I I think it's nice though, Darren. We've had loads of people on the pod recently, and everyone is fucking sick of lockdown. Everyone's miserable as sin. Like, and I get it. Boris is every bastard under the sun. Like, we've had it all. And I'm I'm completely empathised with everybody because I'm not exactly having the nicest time either. But it seems as though you've got a lot of positives have come out of lockdown as well. Like you said, the community vibe. No, you know what I mean. Like you haven't got some great job offers and stuff. Have you have you found some positives have come from lockdown for you? Yeah, I mean all of those obviously, but. And I, you know, I've talked about this before. It's not, I'm not, not sort of. Um, I hope I'm not being too controversial here. But yeah. I had, I had a relapse because I'm, you know, I'm in recovery. It's pretty much known across the bloody country. It's but well documented. But um, when I was, I was a week away from Footloose. That was the musical I was going to be doing. And I oh, was you're going to play? I love Footloose. So the, the Reverend, you know yes! the, Iconic! Yeah. I love him! It was me and Gareth Gates. Gareth Gates was going to play Wilbur. Um, and we were one week away from rehearsals when everything was pulled. Yeah. And um, I kept it together for a couple of weeks, but I'm not going to lie, I've never really gone out and shared my sobriety time until, yeah. this, until lockdown because I relapsed. Uh, at the beginning of the lockdown. Mm. And it shook me so much that I got back into sobriety like I did at the beginning. I got into AA meetings, yeah. NA meetings on Zoom and everything like that. And um, and I was 10 months sober last, uh, the 13th of this month, I was 10 months. Congratulations. And, um, thank you. And so the biggest thing to come out of lockdown for me personally, which has to be more important than any of the career stuff, is that I'm now a month and a half away from being a year sober again. So that's that's my that's for me. That's you know that's the big one. You know because without without sobriety, then my career's gone, my family's gone, my partner. You know, so yeah, and and it's ironic really that I should have got stuck into recovery like never before when there's no work. Fuck all to do every day, you know, because for, 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 for an ex-addict, having fuck all to do in no structure yeah. day is a fucking disaster waiting to happen. But for some reason, I've done it, and it's made me think that if I can do it under these circumstances, yeah. then I hope that I will be all right once things all go back to normal. You know what? I think there'll be so many people out there listen, like, listening to this who just who've gone the opposite way down, like, who have, have fallen off the wagon because, like you say, there's no structure. They're not getting up and going to work in the mornings. Like, they're not, they're not going out and say that. They're not being kept busy. And I properly believe the devil makes work for idle hands. Like, I really do believe that. So I, I think you've got to, like, I know you, you've just got to give yourself real credit for this last year because that's incredible and I'm so proud of you. I feel a bit tearful, Darren. <laughs> Bless you. But, um, but the other thing that happened, and again, I know it's a little bit of a controversial subject, but I have gone out there and talked about it. I wasn't, it took me longer to think about this than it does to think about talking about addiction. And I'm, you know, people contact me on social media all the time 
who were struggling with alcohol or drugs and I'd do my best to help everybody. But um, the other thing that sort of happened during last lockdown that wouldn't have happened had I been on tour was I, I was diagnosed with bipolar 2 yeah. in October 2018 and put on the right medication for that. But then at the beginning of last year's lockdown, I was diagnosed with a thing called BPD, which is borderline personality disorder. Okay. Um, and I was misdiagnosed from 2005 to 2018, put on all the wrong meds. Life not only didn't improve anything, it made things so much worse. And so because I had this time on my hands to have all these tests done, I've I've now been on the right meds for the last year and I've never felt more in control and better and, you know what I mean? But I'd never have had time for those tests to be carried out in London had I been touring all over the country so of course there's there's some really big positives that have come out of lockdown for me and I do feel really great lucky for that mate like this is what I'm saying though so it's so easy to whinge about the last 12 months and it's so easy to remember the dark times and the hard moments and they're not seeing your family and friends and I get all that but actually like there has been some real like real nuggets and real glimmers of hope and, and lovely breakthroughs that people have had. Like, like I said about myself, I've realized I was probably going a bit too fast, not appreciating the lovely things. But for you, the outstanding changes in you and the positives that have come from lockdown are just so obvious. I'm so pleased for you, Darren. So you've got, soon, right, let me just get this all straight. So you've got bipolar disorder, which was diagnosed about three years ago. Yeah, honestly, there's a list. I don't know if your <laughs> podcast is long enough. <laughs> But um, as, as my as my shrink says, and my therapist, <laughs> I am apparently my psychiatrist said to me last year, mm-hmm. I don't like the the phrase borderline because it suggests that you're not really anything. He said, but actually, what borderline means in mental health is that you're borderline fucking everything. So I sort of it I score, great. I score, <laughs> honestly I score on the spectrum with yeah. other stuff as well. Um, but I do think that um, these little disorders and these little kind of problems in the wiring up, they can have a good effect in other ways. You know what I mean? Like for, okay. for a performer, I think they give me a creative side that is yeah. positive. But in, in having that, I have to put up with the fucking voice in my head that, sure. that says that inner, I'm that, a shit person and that, that I inner critic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. constantly in my, you know, I go on stage, it's like, you're shit, you shouldn't be on stage, you know. It, it's a, fu- I mean, look, don't think I'm mad, I don't actually hear a voice, but it's like those thoughts come in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, through, through the last year, I've really sort of been helped to deal with all that and and the meds have, you know, I'm I'm in a good place now and I'm, I'm uh, really grateful for that. You look great and like it's so nice to hear after all of these years of like sort of bungling diagnoses and I was diagnoses, is that the plural of diagnoses? <laughs> I don't it's know. a bloody good question. Unless it's like cactus <laughs> and it's cacti, diagnosi. Diagnosi. Oh, I would really like it if it was. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It seems as though, like, you've got everything now sorted and you know what's going on. Do you feel really liberated in a way? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you I, do. I, mean, I do. I mean, I, I mean, look, you know, obviously, you know Scotty T. Yeah. Right? So, I, I, so I did Big Brother got in um, 2016. And, you know, there have been many, many periods in my life when I've got through all right. And, um, you know, I got through 31 days in the Big Brother house without a drink. You want a um, fucking medal for that, mate? Oh, that man, deserves honestly. a medal. I couldn't do it. Tell me what, like at nine o'clock... When Big Brother announced that the the yeah. drinks were coming in, go to the storeroom, I sat there and thought, oh, fuck me. Now I've got to sit with my ginger ale while everyone else gets fucked. They all want to jump in the swimming pool at fucking 3am yeah. and I fucking don't. And there was <laughs> some I big partyers, wasn't there, Darren? There was some big partyers in your series. That must have been really, really painful at times for you. Oh, my God. Honestly, I <laughs> It felt, I mean, I, I did The Jungle, first ever series. Yeah. I found The Jungle a million times easier than mm. that house. Yeah. But it's so, to quote Gemma Collins, claustrophobic. <laughs> She's making a fucking fortune out of my name. I'm, I an East, I, I'm now an Easter egg. I'm a COVID mask. I'm a handbag, fucking scarf. I'm a jacket. <laughs> You're I'm a fucking mug, mate. Like, you didn't coin that, I'll tell you that. Oh, no. I was even a Christmas fucking bauble. <laughs> Christmas bauble, now fucking Easter egg. I mean, I never thought I'd be, but I am. She immortalised you, though. I mean, as if you like, as if you weren't known for enough beforehand. That comment from Gemma, like, I've got a hoodie somewhere with it written on Darren. I nearly wore it today, and I was like, no, Vicky, that's too much. You'll think you're going to go full Kathy Bates. But I was creased, Darren. It was amazing. <laughs> I mean, she, she's just moved into a new house, bought a new house. She sent me a video a couple of weeks ago, showing me all around the ground, and then she went, you fucking bought this for me, Dal. <laughs> like, I bet I fucking did. I bet I did. Um, no, but it's weird. <laughs> it's weird how that happened, because it was, it was, you know, it didn't come out till last year, and it was 2016, and I remember the day, because Gemma had been fucking about and pissing people off or something. So they bought this cage in. Yeah. And Big Brother said, if Gemma doesn't get in the cage, you're all going to lose hot water for three days. Now, it was the beginning of January. The, the, when the water was cold in that shower, it was fucking cold, you know? So we cool. begged, everyone was begging Gemma to get in. She was going, nah, nah, won't get in that, won't get in the cage. <laughs> so the di- I'm called into the diary room and Big Brother says, Darren, will you speak to, to Gemma? I went, why me? And she said, well, you're like the dad of the house. I went, how the fuck did I become the dad of the house? I would have been the absolute fucking mental case uh, a few years ago. Anyway, I went over to her and I said, Gemma, please, for us all, please just step in. 
went, I'm plus the five Darren. <laughs> well, someone put it up as like it's a meme yeah. at the beginning of last lockdown. You know, lockdown, claustrophobic kind of the, the link there. And I get like when I walk down Brentwood High Street, Vic, people yeah. go, I'm claustrophobic, Darren. Or they stop and they go, Will you do a message into my phone and say claustrophobic, Darren? I'm like, Fucking hell. You want to charge for that, mate? Like, you're missing a trick. I'm not. Even I played the London Palladium and now I'm more known for fucking claustrophobic, Darren, than anything <laughs> I've ever done. I sung with fucking Queen, for fuck's sake. But no, I'm fucking claustrophobic, fucking mask. Handbag, <laughs> Easter egg, and Christmas bauble. Oh, <laughs> right, like, I know you are. You are so successful, so famous. I've done a million different things. Like, feels like you've had about nine lifetimes. Everything I was looking at when I was researching you. But I do have to ask about Big Brother. I agree with you, mate. Like a couple, like a couple of years before I did the Jungle, I sat and had meetings for Big Brother, and. I was excited. Like at the time, I was just dead excited to be asked to do anything. Like I was still in Geordie Shaw, not many people knew who I was. And it was such a compliment. But even sitting in the meeting, I thought I was getting a bit of anxiety. And I just thought, this isn't the this isn't the show for me. Like, yeah, I remember thinking, in this environment, trapped with what, like 15 people sometimes that oh, all it was. Got massive, it was 16 yeah. Years, yeah, yeah. Jesus, baby, like, and you've all got such big personalities, like in particular, your year, Christ. That was probably why it was so memorable because it was so explosive. But yeah, I just the remember David thinking. Guesting. Do you remember the David he, Guest thing when David Bowie died? No. There was just so many moments. Like, I've just got this image of Gemma running in the back garden with that little Shetland pony man as well. <laughs> do you remember that? I do Scotty. Scotty yes. looked out at the, the mane of the pony and he went, fucking hell, he said, she's got, the, <laughs> pony's got the same hair as the fucking Gemma has. <laughs> and when you look, it actually was exactly the fucking same. <laughs> they must have, you know. Greedy, greedy horse hair. Only the best for Mrs. Collins. <laughs> what I, oh, God, Vic, I can't tell you. It felt like I was in there for six months. And it, yeah. It, I mean, I was... I was so grateful to it because, you know, back in the day, I, I, I had, uh, you know, I was crucified by the press for yeah. a long, long time. A lot of the times I loaded their guns for them, absolutely admit to that. Yeah. But I, I didn't think Big Brother would go well for me. And I had a very sort of emotional farewell with my family, my kids. And then on the way down to London, I thought, you know what, you'll probably see him in five days. Because I really thought there's a good chance. Little like, did you know. Well, no, I know. But every time it gets to an eviction, right, and every time you're kept in, yeah. you have that moment of elation. You think, oh, God, it's so nice that the public are keeping me in. And then you think, fuck me, I've got another five days in it. <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. Double-edged. It's a proper double-edged sword. But you, you did show, like, for me, like, my point was just, I think it's, I was really shocked down. So I actually went in that series, you know, like I came in um, right near the end and did uh, Ryland's Big Brother's bit on the side. Oh, me, well, while I was in there? No, I think it was right, right at the end. And um, oh. honestly, yeah. So I got there. Do you know what the thing that shocked me, Darren? What? How small it was. How the small. House? Yeah. Fuck me. Yeah. Honestly. Honestly. They make it look like a compound on the telly, don't they? Like, like sprawling great big rooms. Like, yeah, you could go, if someone was annoying you, you have somewhere to hide. You've got nowhere to hide in there, have you? No, there's nowhere, there is absolutely nowhere to hide. And a lot of the times, there'll be things being set up in various 
rooms. So sometimes they'll close the bedroom off or sometimes they'll close the garden off. So sometimes you'll either be stuck in the garden if the house is closed off or you'll be stuck in the lounge bit if the bedroom... So it wasn't even like most of the time that everywhere was was goable to, if you know what I mean. And also, here's another thing that was interesting when I found out. (laughs) Psychologist on the show who we had to speak to on the day of going out through a speaker of, of the final, the night of the final, we all, uh, the six of us had to speak to him. And he told me that it's almost military, it's, an, it's almost a military operation in the fact that where certain things are placed and the colour scheme of certain things like the carpet and stuff, oh. is, is, is suppo- it should hit your buttons for anger, for frustration. No. I swear to you, to God. Oh my! So, so certain colours and certain nah. arrangements press the anger button psychologically without you knowing. It's so, it's like subconsciously. My and mind I, is blown. I have no never be, I've never felt physically attacked by someone's interior design before. That is an <laughs> absolute liberty. That's so bad, Darren. I know. No, Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen is fucking with us, man, and we don't even know it. <laughs> I could not believe that. But you know what? Actually, I can. Like, that was the only thing I thought from that meeting with that woman. I kind of thought, you will put me in here and you will get me drunk and you will push my buttons and I will say something I regret. I'll, I'll have a fight with a loose woman and end up writing on the wall in my own poo. <laughs> like, that is, I, I would go full Vanessa felt in there. Like, Love I was it. terrified of my own darkness, I think, in a situation like that. And I think a lot of people exposed sides themselves that they aren't particularly proud of and they do regret but you mate like you thrived in there and we all seen this different side of you so again like that must have been a look you know in situations where people like doubt you or a lot of people have a hard time you 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 really flourish you're a bit like a phoenix from the ashes aren't you phoenix from the flame. that's nice to know that's that is a nice analogy but it, it was incredible I mean, i'm in the top three in a show that primarily is voted by, you know, young people, yeah, young yeah. girls or whatever, it did open me up to a to a completely new audience. And I was I was so flattered that I came third, you know what I mean? And that night that I stepped out of the Big Brother house, and I do go a little bit goosebumps because I hadn't had a reaction like that from a crowd for a long time. You know, back in the day, yeah, but, you know, I, I caused a lot, I mean, I'm a realist, I caused a lot of damage to my career and my brand name. And when you're in there, you don't really know how it's going. And I was never up for eviction. So I never yeah. heard, when my name was, I never yes. heard the crowd boo or cheer. And you so, couldn't get that indicator, I totally understand. So when those doors opened, I thought, are they going to boo me? Because you don't know, you don't know what the fuck has been shown, do you? Yeah, your little heart must have been in your mouth. When I walked out, when I got the chair, I see all these banners up. Go on, Daz. But I cannot tell you. I know it's a reality show, and it's you know, and you know, it's not like a serious thing in the perspective of life in general. I was. It absolutely made me so happy. Yeah. And then afterwards, you know, people would come up to me in the street and say. I've really changed my opinion about you. I thought you were the womanizer, the drug taker, the drinker, whatever. Um, and then young people, like <laughs> I still get, I get girls going, "You're a dilf." Now, even though, even though I knew what a milf was, I remember 
Steph Davis. I was with yes. Steph Davis one day and we looked at the social media oh, long after we broke. And I, thought, I said, what's the fucking deal? And she went, are you fucking stupid? I went, what do you mean? She said, well, a MILF is to work it up. And I went, oh, fuck. So it kind of, I mean, my daughter finds that hilarious. But I'll tell you the thing that meant the most to me. <laughs> young teenage boys who came up and went, fucking hell, mate, you're a fucking ledge. <laughs> fucking ledge, mate. And, you know, at, at, in my career and at this point in my life, the fact that teenage geezers yeah, thought yeah. I was all right, I, I was really flattered genuinely, you know, and, um, and so it was a really happy experience for me. Well, honestly, Darren, so you should be like, that series is amazing. You were incredible in it. And it's, you're right, you did. You got to show a different side of yourself, a side that you could be proud of. And I think like nobody understands that more than me. I went from Geordie Shaw, a side that a lot of moments and a lot of my behavior I couldn't take pride in um, to the jungle. And everyone got to see like there was a different side of Vicky Patterson. So I couldn't completely understand where you're coming from. And I'm, if, new, if anyone deserves it, mate, it's fucking you. Bless you. Thanks. I mean, look, the jungle, Vic, I'll be honest with you. I was, I was on a come down. I was absolutely fucked off my tits when I, got on, when I got on the plane to Australia. But I, th- I think I slept 24 hours. I come from a party. Yeah. Who the As you do. You know? Um, Leave a anyway, party. Yeah. Got to give you so, a good send-off. So, I mean, my, when I look back at it, I, I, don't, I don't ever want to watch it back, but every now and again, someone puts something on social media. My behaviour was so fucking erratic. <laughs> Because it, it was the first, I, I, I hadn't been, and this isn't funny, I'm not going to laugh at this bit, but I had been using and drinking from uh, the end of 1996 yeah. up until 2002 when I did The Jungle. Mm-hmm. I had never gone two weeks without anything. Wow. On day three of being in that jungle, I was really struggling. Oh, mate. So, so, the, so Big Brother for me was my redemption. Yeah, I wanted absolutely. to go in there as a sober man, as a dad, you know, and as a guy who looks back now on that fucking Darren Day yeah. from way back and thinks, what a fucking cunt you <laughs> You know, if I'd have been the public, I'd have fucking hated me as well. <laughs> This like before, honestly, we're gonna wrap at the end of part. We're gonna wrap part one right, in a yeah. second. I promise. Okay. I just want to say, like, mm. y- you're self depreciating. You're you're real. Like how much you, how honest you are able to be about that now. Like it's very brave, but also like I always say, like we're under no obligation to be the same person we were ten years ago, ten months ago. 10 weeks ago, even 10 minutes as like, as humans, as individuals, we grow, we learn, we change, we evolve, and hopefully we get better. Like, yes, we may stumble and have setbacks, but ultimately we're all just trying, aren't we, to be better. And like your journey, your evolution from Darren in, I'm a to get me out of here, to Darren in Big Brother is nothing short of incredible. And don't let anybody take that away from you, mate. Like I'd, I mean, you. you are, you are a dilf. Oh, I'm not going to lie. Like, but it's one of the, it's right down on my list of things I'd call you. Right at the top, I'd say very brave. 
Bless you. I really appreciate you saying that, Vicky. Thank you. you. You're welcome. Right, Darren, will you join me in part two where we'll talk all things love life? Of course. Of course. I've got a lot to talk about on that fucking subject. It has to have its own fucking part. It's that big (laughs) dash, lad. It's his own fucking postcode. (laughs) 